When you're reading a job description, do you ever wish you could hear directly from the person that wrote it, answering all your questions about what the day-to-day work is like, who are the people you'll be working with, learning about the culture and tips for building your career at that company? I'm your host, Dan DeGraw, and I'm excited to bring you Working at Wells Fargo, a new podcast from our hiring team. In each episode, we'll bring together different hiring leaders and team members at Wells Fargo to learn all about their career stories and get insights on how we're looking for the best talent from around the world. We'll unlock their individual stories, where they came from, how they built their career, and what lessons they learned along the way. Then we'll learn directly from them about the career opportunities at Wells Fargo and why you should consider joining us. While in Des Moines, I had the pleasure of catching up with my peer and good friend, Lori Strain. Lori's been with the bank for 18 years, and in that time, she's had three separate unique careers in her time with the organization, which is more common than you would think. Lori currently leads the Retain team, and that team is really focused on retaining and retraining team members who may have been displaced and helping them find other roles in the organization. Lori also spent some time talking about her own personal journey and how Wells Fargo values diversity and encourages team members to bring their whole selves to work. But I will tell you when they said, well, they asked if I would take over the team. A wonderful lady was retiring who had managed the team for probably 10 years if I would be interested in taking that team over. And I saw the value of what that team does for the company and the services that they provide for a displaced team member, especially with the career counseling, helping them, you know, prep for interviews, resume reviews, to try to retain them within Wells Fargo. And so when I got the call to run the team, I said, absolutely. I think it's a great value proposition for the organization. That team does a wonderful job. Most of them have been displaced themselves, so they have a great care and empathy for the team member and have been on this team probably a good eight to 10 years minimum. Yeah. And I think if you have a heart for that too, it makes you a perfect fit for the job, which I know you do. Uh, I, I think is, you know, of all the stuff that Wells Fargo does as an employer, that commitment to retaining team members who for some reason, the business changes, things change to retain as many folks as possible to re-recruit them in other roles. I think it's probably one of the most noble things that we do. So looking back on your time and looking ahead, how do you feel as though the company culture has played a part in your career progression over the last 18 years? Oh, I, I tremendously. So I'm a firm believer of development, uh, development of people. It is our greatest asset. I, I would tell you that I think the people at Wells Fargo have to be probably the nicest group of people and the most supportive that I've ever come across in in the companies that I've worked with. So for me, you can see my history isn't with one career path. It is doing different things. Uh, It's taking my transferable skills and parlaying them into different parts of the organization. So I think for the future, it's kind of that the the culture is supportive of taking our talent and developing them. And it may be you develop development plan with your manager. Hopefully everyone has one of those. But there's also other opportunities through our team member network. So if somebody on my team is looking for leadership opportunities, I say go volunteer. Uh, volunteer for a team in, volunteer in your community, take a position in those opportunities that will give you leadership skills that you're looking for or project management skills maybe you're looking for. Um, We have a great mentoring program at Wells Fargo. You can sign up, get a mentor, or mentor someone uh, yourself. And so I think there's a lot of opportunities at Wells Fargo. It's really why I took the leap of faith when I came to the company itself. Yeah, it's it's interesting. There, there's a common thread through these discussions that it's it's possible for people to have 
several different careers all while staying with Wells Fargo. And you can really, there's no rules, you know? So if, no. you, if you want to try something else, they always had an interest in, I have a marketing background and I work in town acquisition, but I always had a um, passion for recruiting. So here we are 10 years later, very much the same with you. You've, you've got your, your soft skills kind of carry you through your career, but you've had very different roles. I think as an employer, if you could, if somebody's listening to this and, and they're like, I just don't know where I fit at Wells Fargo. I do a search on the careers page and it comes back with 500 different jobs. What kind of advice would you give to somebody 18 years in who is thinking about working at the organization, but they just don't know where to start? Well, I, you know, look, it, it is t- difficult. We're a big, big organization and there are lots of, I, I'm still learning every day, 18 years in, and I'm always learning something. Um, and I think that's partly a key to success too, is if you're willing to always learn and, and expand. I think you network, ask your manager, is there somebody that you can shadow? Is there somebody that they can connect you with? Um, Get involved in uh, different parts of the organization, volunteering. Meet people outside your day-to-day that will help you understand maybe what they do. Maybe it'll be an interest for you, um, or maybe they can connect you. There's not anyone that I haven't met along the way where I've not learned something from them and taking something into my own career based on just interaction with them and dialogue with them. So I think it really is putting yourself out there. Um, And like I said, everybody's pretty nice here at our company. So you pick up the phone, most people are willing to help you. You just got to take that step. So you've mentioned it twice. I should should probably go there. Um, I had a conversation with somebody who just started with the bank. And I said, well, what's your first impression? And he's like, everybody's so nice. Um, And it it is part of our culture. I I think we don't foster a environment where it's highly competitive. Uh, we've talked in the past, uh, last episode, we were talking about, there's no solo artists here. Everybody works in a group. It's a group setting. Everybody has to learn to collaborate. And I think because of that, we have to play nice with one. Not play nice. We have to be nice. It's just not a matter of acting like acting nice. Uh, people actually have to feel that in order to really work together to get, uh, get the job done. So you're very active on LinkedIn. Uh, you and I have worked very closely in the past with candidate attraction strategies yeah. and how to reach out to candidates. So if you were to give some advice, this has turned into like an advice column, but uh, if you were to give some advice to job seekers about how they could best leverage LinkedIn to uh, grow their network and position themselves for their next stage of their career, what, what would you say? Well, I think, you know, the first thing is, is really have a strong profile. Make yourself searchable for recruiters. We're actually, it's funny you just brought this up, and, and yes, we have a long history together, uh, Aaron, but I just kicked off what I called a profile party with my team, and we're going to, through the next couple months, work on their summaries, their profiles, you know, everything about their LinkedIn profile. We're going to take each, each section and examine it, and I think if people take that time for themselves to really showcase, use the right keywords, not the redundant ones, but the right ones, um, and you may need to do a little bit of research. And LinkedIn is wonderful because I'm usually actually using the tools off of LinkedIn for this profile party with them, with my team. And so spend some time on that and then find people that have like interests and then try to reach out and connect. What I find is most people will accept your request to connect um, and but then utilize it. Right. It's not like Facebook where 500 people that you're linked into uh, and you just peruse their site every once in a while. You have to be active and leverage it. I was just with a couple 
people at a graduation party that I did not know. And they, they wanted to get into Wells Fargo. And so I said, oh, well, just, you know, contact me on LinkedIn. And they are relentless right now <laughs> getting uh, me emails uh, and mails, excuse me, and texting me and those type of things. I think you have to be active. Yeah, it's it's definitely one of those, you you get out of it what you put into it. And I think LinkedIn's been around, it's been a thing for about a decade. And I, I remember in the beginning, it was very uh, exclusive. You had to get invited to join LinkedIn. Remember right. what the big deal it was? Right. I'm on LinkedIn, you know? And now, I think a lot of folks who started their profile eight, nine, 10 years ago, they just copied their resume, pasted into LinkedIn. And that's not the purpose anymore. Your LinkedIn profile is really intended to be very different than your resume, more dynamic, more aspirational. So I think it's fantastic that you're working with your team because some people would say, well, if my team has a better LinkedIn profile, they're more apt to leave. And that's not the case at all, right? No. No, and, and, and you know, if my team were to look, I hope they look within Wells Fargo. And I can tell you most of the time, because we talk about development and we have uh, development plans that we're actively looking, most of the time they will come and we'll talk about, hey, I applied for this job within Wells Fargo. And if I think they're ready for that, I'll reach out. So we have a very open relationship with, with each other. And so I want their profiles for themselves to be strong, but also they're recruiting for the company. So I would like that to be a strong profile. So you know how it goes when you screen with somebody and then they go out and check your profile. Yeah. So they're checking my recruiter's profile. I want that brand to be strong for our company and represent us well. Yeah, there's there's this notion, we've talked about this in the past, uh, this notion of branding from the inside out where our team members are actually our best tool for talent acquisition because people are looking at their profiles every day. And uh, I think that's a perfect example of that. Absolutely. So circling back to culture, we're in Des Moines, Iowa today. Lovely Des Moines, Iowa at one of our campus campus sites. You finally came. I did. It's it's only been 12 years. Um, <laughs> and I'm happy to be here. But I think what's interesting is, is, as you mentioned, the person you replaced, Alan Ritt, who is universally loved, is was in Denver, Colorado. And yeah. then uh, you replaced her. You're in Des Moines, Iowa, and you work remote. Absolutely. The majority of the time. Can you talk a little bit uh, culturally how Wells values remote work a gross majority of your team is also, how many folks are on your team? Oh, I believe we're 30, 35 right now. And they're by and large remote By as and well. large, probably a good 90%. Can you talk a little bit about our, our, our culture and, and how it values team members and the skills they bring, not necessarily geographically where they sit, but what they can bring to the table? I work 100% remote and have for several years. I think you can do that. You have to make a conscious effort to when you're virtual to connect, but because our workforce is based all over the United States and, and international as well, um, you're not going to fly into every meeting that you have. And I think the culture supports that by not only um, allowing this opportunity to do that, but also gives us the tools to do so, uh, to make remote work easier for us. I read a study the other day that 25% higher retention when you allow some remote work. Now, you may not be 100%, maybe you're a couple days a week, maybe you're once a month, uh, but whatever whatever is needed for your role, I think the company does a good job supporting. It's, it's one of the pillars of Wells Fargo as, as a whole of the entire organization, just kind of the company's culture on diversity and inclusion, how that plays into your, your, your passion for that. Yeah, well, I'm a diverse team member, so I'm LGBT, so for me, the company, you know, took a stance way before it was many companies did providing benefits and before there were laws and those type of things. So um, it was great to already be at a company who took that bold 
uh, stance and said, we support all our team members. We don't care. And so that right there, and that was, you know, in the mid 2000s that that happened, I believe. Um, somebody will correct me if I'm wrong, I'm sure. Uh, <laughs> but that right there as an as a LGBT team member spoke volumes to me. And I thought, hmm, this is not... Um, this is not a company that takes those type of things lightly. And so then you saw more team member networks pop up and supportive that way. And so when I look back on 18 years, the company has always been supportive of DNI, uh, but we just continue to evolve and expand that thinking. And it's not just around race, gender, ethnicity, it's inclusion. The inclusion pieces you just mentioned is is important, that diversity of thought. I love when I get new team members um, and bringing them in, in and hearing what their thoughts are, having them look at what we're doing and is there opportunities to make it better. So it's the diversity piece of it, but the inclusion piece, you're right. It has to be there and that's what makes up our culture. So I'm really proud of Wells Fargo and the diversity inclusion messages that they send and the efforts that they put forth. Thank you for listening to the podcast. To learn more, please go to wellsfargojobs.com and please take a moment to subscribe and rate the podcast. What's your favorite Star Wars movie? Oh, all of them. You know, if you had to pick one, Desert Island, you get one Star Wars movie to watch forever for the rest of your life. I'm traditional, so I always like the beginning, uh, how it started, which is really not the beginning. Episode four. Episode one is now four. Right. Right? So I like four, but I like the original one. How's that? No. The original. So, okay. Yeah. It's not the one that was shot, reshot with all the CGI in it. Right. Right. You're a purist. I kind of am sometimes. Okay. So then if you're watching the Star Wars movies, like if you had to watch them all, what order would you watch them in? Hmm. That's interesting. I'd probably go four, five, six, one, two, three. But if I didn't know any better, I'd probably gone one, two, three, four, five, six. You do chronological, not by release date. No. Okay. It's an interesting question. And then they have standalone movies, right? So Rogue yeah. One and Solo. And Solo. Where do you plug those guys in? I actually liked Solo. I think you and I were the only ones. I know. Mm-hmm. I know. But I actually liked it. So Rogue One was good too. Yeah. But I liked Solo. So like Rogue One chronologically would have taken place before episode four. And then Solo would have been about the same time, I think. Yeah. All right.